0: Welcome to what could be the most anticipated MotoGP season of all time. Welcome to 2022 on Motorsport 101. Oh i have been waiting for this <laughs> hi guys dre harrison back at it with another episode of motorsport 101 for you and on this one this is a 2022 season preview series and this time it's for moto gp the greatest show on two weeks are back I mean, yes bikes are back <laughs> I am so excited to have bikes back, and uh, yes, this weekend, uh, MotoGP returns at Qatar for the 2022 season, 24 bikes in all, 21 races, the biggest MotoGP season of all time as it stands, and uh, yeah, we got a lot to get through, but first and foremost, let's get around the rest of the panel. First up, RJ O'Connell, hello sir, how's it going? Hello everyone, thank you for taking a break
1: from Elden Ring to come join us today, we really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no you see i was too busy sitting down playing grid legends like a hipster like they are that's that that's the real game of the year that came out this year right right no it may King, un- going be over
2: there? <laughs> <laughs> going
0: well <laughs> going well and finally cam
3: how's it going man going oh, all right uh i mean bikes are back what else can i say yes bikes it's just going to be me on a podcast, just just yelling bikes.
0: Yeah, this is basically oh, Christmas, and Cam's birthday rolled into one for him right now for the next hour or so. We get to talk about bikes for our whole podcast. It's going to be great. Um, so we, what we're going to do after the, quick, after the quick intro is we're going to go factory by factory. We'll break down some of the calendar as well, and we'll rate their chances of the season as we go by. So... Without further ado, basically you can find us all quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you follow our personal handles, they're on the screen right now at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. You can follow us on Instagram at Motorsport101pod. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. All the list of perks and gains are on there. Yeah, there's a website as well. I just put it up there. It's gorgeous on mobile. Motorsport101.com. Uh, all bunch of written manners, podcasts, all that stuff is on there as well, including Ask Dre, which we put up a couple of days ago. Stacked one, all about the obvious situation in Russia, um, as well as Yamaha MotoGP, which ironically will also come up again later on in this podcast, very briefly, and a whole bunch more as well. So check that out if you haven't already. So, without further ado, let's get into our 2022 MotoGP Season Preview.
1: Oh, I realized who we're starting with.
3: Dang. I think only one person <laughs> of our quartet here could take the section for his beloved Orange Boys. Oh,
0: hmm. Which, which one
3: is it, I wonder?
0: Any guesses? <laughs> Why don't you tell the people at home what your old Discord username used to be?
2: It used to be day one KTM stand. Hey! <laughs> yes, I, can't I, to... <laughs> I am quite fond of the KTM bikes, but I am at heart a journalist, and I am completely willing to be impartial.
3: Uh, Why is it necessary it is?
2: when talking about KTM last year? <laughs> yes yes I uh, that statement wasn't necessary because KTM was arguably actually not arguably uh, by all up. statistical measures the worst manufacturer in the top class last year uh despite <laughs> you know both factory riders having wins and uh, they did pretty well in testing well I say pretty well they were they were able to get up to the midfield in testing right.
0: Midfield, baby.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but for the most part, uh, there's pretty much the only way, the only place to go for ktm this year is up and brad Binder was seemingly optimistic about the direction that the rc16 is heading in this year and he was quoted as saying we have a completely different arrow package and in some areas it helps us and in others it hurts us but it requires a completely different setup to make it work and we haven't had the time yet to explore it and really get the max out of it and uh, I did a little back to I did a little back check to to our old bike, and the time is similar. And but this bike, but that bike is maxed out, and we already and we're already at that level with the with the new fig- configuration. And there's room to improve. So basically, they're already at the level of their previous bike, and obviously, that bike reached the end of its development cycle. And there's literally nowhere to go but forward with the current bike. That's good. There's a, there's a high ceiling there. There's there's, there's reasons there to is be. Room. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, And we're it, we're gonna get to this with another or team wearing orange uh, a little bit later down this list. But mm. thanks to um a certain company based out in France, you can't build a MotoGP bike around a front tire anymore. You can't build a front tire bike and. Uh, the KTM over the past few years was a big old front tire bike and boy did it show last year because when Michelin went in a different direction with the rear it made the rear bias bike stronger and the front bias bikes oh boy. You see it's not just us in this call that believe
1: that the Michelin man should atone for their crimes.
0: <laughs> KTM's got the got, got the vendetta don't, don't. out
3: as well. RJ, right. RJ. He's he's listening. He's everywhere. Don't <laughs> don't invoke his wrath. Thank you, thank you for tuning <laughs> Just, into our yeah, podcast. Yeah, this is uh this is a big technical reset for KTM as far as both their arrow as well as aspects of their frame. Um, what isn't a reset is their factory lineup. Brad Binder, winner of perhaps the craziest race of them all last year, and That's Miguel Oliveira, who for a short three race span. Just fired out of a cannon when they'd made some changes from the initial bike last year, and then kind of just fell off into no man's land.
0: It's a strange dynamic. I mean, they they also got a new team boss. They brought in Francesco Guidotti um, over there to run the program now, um, as well. He used to formerly of Pramac. And obviously, he'd done very good work with Premat bringing them into contention for race wins. Um, until they finally did get their first win last year with Jorge Martín. Uh, more on him later. But I I actually find it amazing that Brad Binder might now be the most underrated rider in MotoGP. He was sixth in the championship last year on the worst possible bike. That's actually I, really I good. I don't think... I don't think enough people drew attention to that fact last year. He was incredibly good last year. Win or no win. Whatever you want to say about what happened in Austria. He was he was awesome last year, all things considered. And yeah, it's it it's a big rebuild, it's a big technical reset. I like the KTM I like I like the Tech 3 team they've brought in as well, which, you know but yes, it's a it's a direct import of their dominant Moto2 team last year as well with Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner both coming up. Uh, Gardner's had a bit of a compromised preseason because he broke his wrist in a training accident back in January which uh, didn't help, but they've got a injured Gardner and an unhappy Fernandez because uh, he accused his uh he accused his team of bias. And has already had one eye on the Yamaha seats that he missed out on last year. Is he sure about that,
3: given what we're going to say about Yamaha later?
0: Yeah, it might actually be a bit of a mixed blessing. But um, we'll have to wait and see um, on that front. But uh, KTM, from a technical standpoint, needs a lot of work. And they can't just keep expecting their riders to bail them out. I get them out of a pinch every single time, in my opinion, and they're good riders. They,
1: they the riding talent's thought. not the problem here.
3: No, well, and and you know the thing about KTM since they came into the sport is that they've very much been plowing their own path with the steel trellis slash steel beam frame and not going to Olin's for their suspension, and that's great if you want to plow your own path, but you need to be able to you need to be able to justify it. And they've come very close the last couple of years. Twenty Was it 2020? They had a really good year. Yeah. And we think they're going to take year. the next they step. Were, they're,
1: they're, they're surprised of 2020. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then we thought they were going to take the next step, and they just got flung backwards last year. So this needs to be... They need to start really justifying that their own solutions are going to be able to take them to the top. Because as you just said, RJ, the riding talent... Is not the problem with KTM either. Are they on their getting factory the right or talent their, to gel together, based
1: teams. on the fact that like Gardner Fernandez are already kind of snipping at one another.
3: I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say anything about the chemistry. I just said the talent wasn't the problem. Chemistry is quite <laughs> another deal. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, we, it's it's very clear Fernandez doesn't really want to be a KTM anymore after uh, his off-season comments. You will
0: have, and you've got to remember as well, they have Pedro Acosta waiting in the wings, and if he is anything as good as advertised, he'll be knocking on the door for one of these four bikes in 2023. Put a pin in that that for the layer in the show. Yeah, yeah. But uh, more on that soon. Honestly, I think Oliveira might be the odd one out here as the guy that might end up making way given Fernandez and Gardner are rookies and Binder is now into a three year extension. So they clearly have a lot of faith in Binder. Miggy's the one that I think needs a big season. Otherwise, there's going to be rumblings about what goes on at KTM because they have at least five incredibly talented riders in their wing with only four seats available something's got to give, basically. Never would have foreseen um, Miguel Oliveira being the odd man now,
1: given
3: that he has three wins the last two seasons with this bike. Guys won a couple of those races in dominant fashion as well. Portugal oh, yeah. especially. Oh my god,
1: he just spanked the field. But yeah, it's hard to imagine. Like you're, you're hot shit one year and the next, you're probably racing for a new contract with another factory. Uh, Sport. Sport moves quick. Trey, Sport moves quick. Um, so knows. Aprilia, yes. Aprilia has their own, as a brand new factory team. Um, people are worried about them, uh, but maybe there's not so much a reason to be worried about as it might think. They got concessions. Hmm. They used their factory riders for the shakedown before finishing one, two, and then second and fifth across two days of official testing. Uh, Alicia Spargo said, even if I can go. 57.5s and finish first. It's just a test. I've used the same example so many times in the past where Mark or Davi were fighting for the championship. I remember them in the cutter test, finishing outside the top 10, and then they're first and second in the race. It's only testing. You don't seem convinced about Aspargaro playing down their testing results. Uh, Now, for those of you who are listening to the podcast... Um, would you like to? Would you like to tell everybody what picture you put in the notes of our show? Oh God! It was
0: Maverick Vinales going like this after day one of the Sepang test. After after finishing fastest in timing, um, it there was all there was already rumblings immediately afterwards. They'd done a vanity qualifying run just so they could stick their bikes at the top of the timing sheet. Um, and that, uh, apparently didn't go down well with a few fans on social media. So, in other words, I'm not entirely convinced they're playing, they're trying to slow roll their hand here. Um, I think a prettier likes a good headline and uh, I I, I think it's a bit jammy of them. Now, they've kept the lineup from last year, Maverick Viñanas and Alicia Um, They're Their late lineup
3: from last year.
0: Yeah, they're halfway through, you know, or should I say maybe two-thirds of the way through The the
1: streets will remember Lorenzo Savadori, who's making wild cards (laughs) this year, but that's (laughs) Absolutely.
0: um yeah so as as rj alluded to because they're a concession team they're allowed to use their factory riders for the shakedown so they had even more testing time than everybody else did they're the only factory team that's still on the concession system they only got one third place last year so they still need five more what they call podium credits in dry races before they come off the concession system um which is basically a further than a second also well, a second than a first i should say sorry um yeah. look at it like the f1 spring podium so three to one in terms of points wet races don't count so yeah um if a pretty really are that good they'll be off concessions quickly let's put it to you that way um we'll have to wait and see but this is a team that's made a lot of improvements. I know Alicia Spargaro was very vocal about that. I know he was very vocal in rearranging the bike setup as well, Cam. But, uh, I mean, what do you make of it yeah. at the moment here?
3: Uh, for me, just going through testing and hearing everything that's been said about the bike and about the two riders on it is that it can kind of continues its trend from last year where the Aprilia is kind of a jack-of-all-trades bike, master of none. It's relatively easy to ride. It's Pretty honestly, pretty damn quick in a straight line. They were only, I think, three clicks off of the Ducatis, which is really nothing to be ashamed of given the trend of Ducati since uh ever. And everything seems very positive out of the team, so much so that they've been playing down, you know, they've, they've been trying to play down every time they set good times. I don't want to look at the times for any of these bikes because, as Alicia. Uh, As Aleish mentioned, testing times don't mean jack shit. Ask Ferrari in 2019. (laughs) But everything about this bike seems very positive. Ever since they switched to a 90-degree V4 when they were just fucking around with a sub-90-degree V4 a couple of years ago. Ever since they moved to kind of what Honda and Ducati have standardized over the last few years, the bike just keeps getting better and better. Wouldn't surprise me if we see a first win this year.
0: That far? First win?
3: I think if the crazy enough race happens and Maverick Vinales doesn't lose his fucking mind again, because uh, blowing up bikes is not okay, (laughs) alright? I think they could snag a win.
0: Ooh. Not sure if I'd go that far. Um, It's a very strong field around them. But this is an Aprilia that did challenge for wins last year on a couple of occasions. Germany and probably Silverstone were the ones that stood out most. Um, that was their first dry podium in 21 years um, as a factory. So, yeah. I, Been
3: a I don't dinner. know.
0: I, I honestly, At this point, amazingly, I think the rider lineup might be the biggest weakness of this Aprilia setup at this point. Like... I've never been fully convinced on Alicia Spargaro's ability as a rider because the last time he had a really strong outfit was with Suzuki and he got smoked by the man who's his teammate right now, and that's Maverick. Um, I don't know how long it will take for Maverick to maybe overtake Alicia in terms of raw potential, but, like, is either one of them good enough to, you know get the best out of this team. I think that's going to be the big question mark going forward. I don't know what do you guys make of that. I've seen
1: what Maverick what... Vinyales can do when he, wa- when he really is in the right mindset. But that mindset has come less and less frequently in the last few years. Alacious, strange because if you put him on a piece of garbage, he can just work miracles. And if you put him on an okay bike, suddenly he just
3: looks average. I can't figure it out.
0: It's it's a strange dynamic. I did
3: not. I say nothing about a championship. I think they're very far from a championship run, but I think they could grab the. If KTM last year could win races, multiple races, anything is possible. We're <laughs> <Anything is possible. laughs> that down on KTM already? Uh, oh dear.
0: Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty for you. Definitely ones to watch. I think there's a few question marks in that camp, but certainly a lot to keep an eye on. Shall we talk Honda, gentlemen? <laughs> oh, it,
3: buddy. It, yes, uh, I'll take the reins for this one. Sure. It's only right. Repsol Honda team. Mark Marquez, or rather most of Mark Marquez, finished seventh in the championship last year. New teammate for 2021, Polo Spargrove, finished 12th. LCR, Honda, Castrol, slash Itamitsu were uh, hot garbage last year, with Taka and Alex Marquez finishing 15th and 16th, respectively. And you think a company with this much raw budget and engineering might doesn't take too kindly to this. Not a single... Bolt or washer is the same on the 2022 Honda RC213V as the 2021 version. A bike which three of its four riders struggled hellaciously with and the fourth, well, he was coming back from a broken arm and a bad shoulder and eventually a bad eye. But if the comments from the Sepang test were anything to go by, Honda has very much changed tact. Paula Spargo said, for sure we've gained a lot on the rear grip, the rear contact. We've gained a lot, especially on corner entry, which is something for speed, to be better on lap time, but also for safety. All of us were asking for it because it feels super uncomfortable when you're entering into the corner and don't know what is happening with the rear of the bike. Yeesh. (laughs) Now, this newfound rear grip has come at a cost of the front of the bike because, well... You have to pick between one or the other, and as we mentioned with KTM, can't build a front tire bike on these Michelin fronts anymore. You just can't do it. The bike is too unsafe. What Mark has said is one of the things that I need to learn and understand is the front feeling, which has changed a lot. One mistake today was completely my fault, but another time I crashed, and I still don't understand why, because I didn't make anything different. All of these things, plus not riding a MotoGP bike for a long time, means I still don't understand this bike well. The lap time is coming, but I don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strange one. It's like Marquez is like, he's it's like he's slow, but he's just trying to figure out why he was he's putting the laps together that he was, which is a strange dynamic for Honda. They normally have very aggressive machinery. And they've tried to make it a lot more rider-friendly this year. And it seems to have worked. Um, I know Alex Marquez wasn't all that keen on it either. He was more like, it's not better or worse, it's just different. Um, Which I think was also quite interesting. I mean... (sighs) It's a weird one because, like, Paul Espagaro has talked about the improvements. But he's also in a contract here. And... There's already heavy rumours going around that Puig is prepared to throw a lot of money at a big-name second rider for, for next year, uh, whether it might it might be Johan Mir, it might be Fabio Cuadarraro, depending on who's out there and who's available, so this is going to be interesting, to say the least, about how this plays out, I mean... So RJ, what do you reckon of the camp? I know you've got Takanakagami over there as well, who struggled a lot last year too. <sighs> yeah.
1: Uh trust me, as much as Mark was struggling to get back to health on a Honda bike uh that was that that we know is not consistent You're enough evil. to do the job, it's evil. Mark Marquez wins races on that thing at Foya because he's Mark Marquez. When you're just a very good motorcycle racer like an Alex Marquez or a Takaki Nakagami or a Polo you're going to struggle
3: a bit for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's been... Let's call the last two years without a full mark what they are. It's been an embarrassment for Honda. They have been exposed in every sense of the word of... uh Kind of just getting lazy and letting their mercurial once-in-a-generation talent bulldoze through the bike's problems just because he could. And they hit rock bottom. They've now done a full reset of the bike for the first time, for my money, I'd say since 2007. And man, it looks like it worked because... uh, That thing's fast. It's fast. Mark Marquez doesn't know how it's fast. fast. It's that Mark doesn't know why it's fast, but he doesn't know why he's fast. It is. But he is fast. (laughs) Paula Spargo has never been happier. And not only is that coming out of Honda, but everyone in the paddock saying that, uh, oh, it's like someone combined the agility of the Suzuki with the stability and speed of the Ducati. Which is fucking terrifying.
0: Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's uh, that's bold. Um, Suzuki's agility? I'm not sure i go that far, but uh, I guess... That, that's That's a lot. That is a lot to take in. Um, things to things things to know, as mentioned, Polder Spagro's got a year left on his deal, as do Taka and Alex Marquez. So there could be a big old clear out if this doesn't work out at Honda. Um, there's already talk about a certain Moto2 rider potentially taking the 30 bike away from Taka if things do not go to plan um, over there. So, yeah, again, there's a, there's a lot of excitement in that Honda camp. But there is also a lot of trepidation because there's a lot of people whose contracts in there are hanging by a thread at the moment. Um, if this doesn't work out, there could be uh, there, there could be cuttings to say the least. Um, we'll ha- we'll have to wait and see on that one. So we're halfway through the, uh, the the factory so far. We've also got to talk a little bit about the calendar this year as well. Um, this is, as mentioned, the biggest uh f1 calendar we've ever had oh f1 f1 oh my god i got confused there biggest photo gp calendar we've ever seen um
3: it... disrespect i know
0: shoot me um but uh it is the also the 2022 calendar as well it, it's, it's a big one in motor it's 21 rounds long we go from march 6th to november 6th so it's exactly eight months long um so let's have a quick look at the calendar i mean it is as mentioned 21 races there's a brand new edition on the calendar we race in indonesia for the first time ever at the uh mandalika international street circuit which is weird to even call it a street circuit because it's not really a street circuit but you know yeah we'll we'll go with that um they did they did do a well, test testing reports it's well. a dirt track <laughs> Yeah, um, there was. A, Not wrong. Yeah, they're already repaving like half that track, trying to scramble it together for March twentieth when they actually have it's their first race. It gives
1: it
3: character, damn it! It gives it character. <laughs> it it doesn't give a track character if you go offline and get thrown off the bike. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're right.
0: That is an avoidable problem, but they are trying to. I think they are repaving about half the circuit, trying to scramble around to get that finished by March 20th, when they actually get going, um, big sense of normality as well because pretty much every flyaway round that we haven't had in the last two years of pandemic affected seasons in MotoGP, as it stands, are back. Um, so again, all the flyaways you can think of, Thailand, for example, Australia, um, they are all back on the calendar in certain slots, as well as we finally get to race in Finland, which so far. If you're a MotoGP fan, the only time you've rode around the Kaimi ring is on the video games. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Kaimi ring will also feature uh, on July 10th. But a quick run through the calendar. Um, yeah, OK, so we got Qatar on March 6th, Indonesia March 20th. Um, the American rounds are back on Argentina April 3rd. Good to have them back after the fire. Um, they they had that horrible fire Um, last year they are now back on the calendar April 3rd Um, then Kota what was I have to call it now Barquez Land April 10th Uh, Portamau sticks around on the calendar that's on uh, April 10th Um, sorry sorry, April 24th I should say Um, after that for Portimao Jaref that's now back to back that's on May 1st we have Le Mans, May 15th. Magello, May 29th. That's, again, traditional back-to-back is back with that in Catalonia on June 5th. The Saxon Ring, June 19th. The Dutch TT. Thanks for King to correcting me on that one last year, because I always call it the Dutch Grand Prix. I shouldn't. It's the Dutch TT. That's June 26th. Uh, <laughs> Even I'm though sometimes they do uh, use
2: the hashtag Dutch GP. <laughs>
0: I know, it's weird. Like, called it stick to one um, yeah. uh, on June 26th. But uh, yeah, as mentioned, the Chimera Ring on July 10th. Then it's the summer break. Um, that's a month long for MotoGP. It's a four week summer break this year. They return to Silverstone on August 7th, hopefully, minus some bumps. Um, Austria on August 21st, then Misano on September 4th. Um, Aragon is the first of a triple header, including two flyaways. It's a bit weird this year. Aragon September 18th, then Japan a week after that on September 25th, and then the week after that, we return to Thailand on October 2nd. Triple headers. Why? Uh, I don't like these triple headers. Um, anyway, there they are. That's that's that. Then they stick around in Thailand for a week. Um, Phillip Island is on October 16th. That's back-to-back with Malaysia on October 23rd, and then the season finale at Valencia on November 6th. Uh, so that is the full 21 race calendar, as mentioned. Eight months long. Hopefully everybody gets through it in one piece, because it is going to be a, uh, a tough ride for those riders, having more races than they have ever had before in a MotoGP season. So we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. Now. Top end of the grid. Should we talk Suzuki for a bit here, fellas? Because, uh, uh, this Let's is talk an about interesting him. team. Uh, King, we were
1: gonna, we were actually having a conversation like off podcast. Uh, and King, uh, I believe you had, uh, you had accredited the 2020 MotoGP championship to Alex Rins, not realizing that it was his teammate. And I think yes sadly this has become indicative of how well remembered the 2020 championship outcome was which is sad i didn't want it to happen like that but man how the mighty have fallen just a little bit uh suzuki were criticized in their first season after Davide Brivio for lack of development on the bike the whole shot device they were working on finally came good at that after the summer break only three years after ducati invented it But it looks like their camp is making steps in the right direction, especially in one of its well-known weaknesses, their lack of speed. Joanne Mir, the 2020 champion, said, We know we had a fast race bike, but to fight with Ducati and overtake them with the engine that we had was difficult. It was the same story in all the races, so a little more power is a big help for me. And with this advantage, I expect a lot better. Uh, They recorded a top speed during the test of 331 kilometers per hour. Uh, just about four off the top from Jack Miller on a Ducati and Alicia Spargaro on an Aprilia. Mir was third in the standings last year, and Rins was 13th. Uh, what's the vibe at Suzuki? Give us a vibe check from,
3: from our other blue team. They, they developed the bike. Somewhat. Right. Which is already an improvement All from right. last year. <laughs> um... I'll have to say about suzuki really like it's really tough to get a read on them because it's the same story as it is every year this bike is amazing to ride they've got two really good riders when alex rins isn't crashing uh four times a weekend um alex in the trash bin full of water was a perfect representation of his 2020 season 2021 season sorry mm. but I just don't know how fast they are because outright lap time is always Suzuki's problem.
0: My general vibe is I think Suzuki are probably the team that are most ready to go right now. Um, Their race pace was largely praised. It was complimented and they found some top speed. That was one of the biggest issues of their bike. I think it's part of the reason why Mir got so aggressive towards the end of last season trying to overtake people because he just couldn't do it via conventional means, especially given he was battling Ducati's most of the time towards the back end of the year. Ask Jack Miller, who at one point literally lifted Mir's visor up and gave him the business after Kota, threatening to fight the man if he did it again, basically. so me, We saw like the aggressive side of Mir towards the end of last, like pretty much all through the year because they, the, they had the big clash at Qatar as well, where they Barged into each other on the home straight at about 140 miles an hour. It could have been a terrifying incident. Um, I, I like this team. I've always liked this team. I think, I think, if they have the the higher top speed, the qualifying should be better. If the qualifying is better, they should have less work for themselves to do when we actually get to a race. If they have less to to, to work within a race in terms of hurdles. They should be challenging for wins more frequently. Um, One thing I think kind of helps the other with Suzuki. That's the impression that I get. And amazingly, the biggest problem I have with them is that which Alex Rins is going to show up. That's the question that I've got going forward, because Rins, at his best, is a race-winning guy who can be top three in the championship, Mm. maybe even title challenge this year if we get the rings of last year, he's going to be an anchor for that team and they may have to think about replacing him. Um, Again, this might be a case of new dad strength. (laughs) Um, So uh, so maybe that might come through for him. Better
3: hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't agree more with the qualifying because if you've got a bike with a top speed deficit, we've seen this with Yamaha the last couple of years other than Fabio, who can qualify that bike well up the grid. No matter how good your race pace is, if you can't pass anyone and you qualify poorly and Suzuki has never been a strong qualifying bike, you're not going anywhere. Not unless you're on 2020 Michelins and those things melt after six, seven laps out on the racetrack. Um, They have to be putting those bikes top five or six with, with the strength of the bikes around them if they have any shot of the podium or the wins, they have to be qualifying well up the grid.
0: Hang on. Is it just me? Was I the only one that couldn't hear Cam just now? Because I think it might be my sound on my end. I could hear
2: him. Yeah, that was you.
0: Yeah, I can't hear you guys. Give me just a second. Hang on.
3: Uh, Let me just... Speakers... Technical difficulties... Well, it gives us a chance to talk about the tweet that just landed in a general of our Discord.
2: Let's see.
3: Mm. What is in general? An extraordinary meeting of the World Motorsport Council will be convened tomorrow to discuss matters relating to the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. Further updates will be given following the meeting.
2: Yeah, so I assume at that meeting they're going to discuss on whether
3: to ban Russia from international motorsport or not. Damn, half the LMP2 grid. Thanos snapped. (laughs) It's not it, Chief.
1: I fucking
2: hate it, man. Well, gotta be what's gotta be. Like, if you want your country's. Sins of your country. If you want your country's citizens to be able to participate in in, in the international community. You shouldn't be doing shit like invading sovereign nations. Yeah.
3: Oh wait. Damn, of all the reasons I thought we're going to end Nikita Mazepin's career, I did not see this coming. Oh, I saw this coming. I saw this coming. <laughs> A while back. I figured. There you'd already... we go. I, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I saw it happening this quickly.
0: Yeah, there he goes. So I can hear you guys again now. My speakers just cut off Bluetooth, white Bluetooth wise. There in the middle of cam talking, I was like, wait, I can't hear you guys anymore. Um, oh, so yeah. no. where were you guys? For going? Forgive me on that. One.
3: This man and his. Uh, I was talking about Suzuki's plight with qualifying over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's
0: that's all. That's always been a problem for them. They've always struggled with qualifying, and yeah, just anything that can make their lives easier it would be a huge win for them. Also, those things we mentioned enough. It looks like they've brought in Livio Supo as their new team boss as well. The former Repsol Honda man is joining them this year. Huge dub for Suzuki. I mean, everybody is has attributed
3: size of this dub. Yeah, because this
0: is a guy that won, I want to say, six world titles of Repsol Honda over the years. Um, And yeah, um, a fantastic boss, brilliant at communicating with the Japanese manufacturers over there, knows what he needs in his bike, was able to manage uh, a plethora of world-class talent over the years. Um, And that might be the missing link that Suzuki needs as well. Livio is one of the best in the business and is a huge dub suzuki if they can get the best out of Livio going forward as well um that could be a huge bridge for suzuki oh, so yeah. Yeah. like it, honestly wouldn't surprise me if mere is full-on title contender next year I, i'll do this year i should say i think he's he ticks just about every box for me if, if anything despite suzuki struggles last year i think it proved that Mir's title was no fluke he is very, very good at this. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, third was nothing to scoff at last year. I am um, way
1: less worried about Mirror than I am with Rins, But all in all, uh, Dre, it seems like Suzuki passed this vibe check. King, uh, mm. I think it's only time to, to talk about a team that, uh, coming out of testing, is failing its respective vibe check. And, and that factory is Yamaha.
2: Uh, yeah, where Yamaha, the defending world champions, are sort of uh like normally when you hear champions and any other sport hanging in next year, they talk about you know trying to keep all the pieces together and continue on the progress from next year and build up and try to defend the title. Yamaha, on the other hand, uh things are not looking good on whether the ship will stay upright for this year and years to come because uh, their big guy, Fabio Cotteraro, is not happy with the progress
3: of of their bike going forward. Uh, was, well, well, he couldn't have said anything that inflammatory, could he? Well, in fact, he
2: was quoted as saying, "We have a few things to try on the electronics, but to be honest, this is not a massive step. I didn't feel a big difference. Uh, I didn't feel a big difference. I wanted more horsepower, but in the end, we can invent." can't put it put it in the engine right now. We need to be fast and not think too much about that. If we have it, it's better, but if we don't have it, it's not useful to say every time that it's missing power. If you have no power, you adapt yourself. And like I did in the past, if we need to
3: adapt, we're going to adapt. Uh, it's all on me. I'm getting, I'm getting cooked <laughs> out here.
2: Yeah. Literally pretty much saying, oh, I just got to play the hand I'm dealt. Thankfully, my team has again dealt me a shit hand. Looks like I got to put everyone on my back. (laughs) We call
3: it the Kirkwood. Um... Yeah. (laughs) Call it the Greg Jennings. Uh, Yeah, uh, defending noted champions of motorcycle racing because they won just about everything there was to win last year. Um, Yamaha appears to have pulled a Suzuki on this one because the, the the bike's the same. It has a new it has a new front winglet, but the bike is yeah. the same.
0: It's essentially the same bike, and. They seem to have... The, we've given Honda a lot of shit in the last two years of Marquez's bad arm, giving them crap for being the one-bike team. Look at what Andrea Di had to say. And let, let me just remind you that Andrea Di is a three-time World Championship runner-up with 15 wins in the top flights. <clears throat> Uh, I can't be happy about the speed and also the pace, I think in this moment there is just the way of Fabio to ride this Yamaha, because it showed last year, but also in these two days of testing, if you don't use the bike like him, it's very difficult to be fast. It's very strange. I mean, you have to ride in that way to be competitive, because there are some really good things about the bike, and you have to use them like him, the braking in the middle of the corners. Andrea Dovizioso, one of the most versatile riders in modern history, a guy that's had wins and success on multiple manufacturers. But I think he's only the eighth man ever to win with two different brands. He said that <laughs> hmm. alarm bells should be ringing in the Yamaha camp because it looks like they've got a one they've got a one rider bike right now. That's a huge problem.
2: Oh. Uh, uh...
3: Yeah, I mean, the difference between this one and the Honda for the last couple of years is that if you couldn't ride the the Honda the way that Mark would ride the Honda, it would just <laughs> try and kill you, um, launch you heavenward. The Yamaha's just slow. <sighs> yeah. It's just slow. It was slow last year for everyone else after Vinales you know, fell off the wagon a couple races into <laughs> the season. This year, it's been slow for everyone except Fabio, and even Fabio has been... Like he's talking like he's riding out of his skin to get the laptop. Yeah, day. I remember
0: him saying that, you know, my elbow's down. I'm at full lean with this bike. I'm not holding anything back. There's nothing more to give out of this machine, is what he basically said after Sapang. This is a guy that's in a contract year and was openly flirting with testing the free agent market as early as Misano last year when he won the title. Um,. This is a huge concern, because if Fabio leaves, then what else have you got? You've got a 36-year-old Dovi, Frankie Morbidelli, who's come off a massive amount of surgery on his knee, because he had a torn ACL he'd been riding with for ages, um, going back a couple of the years, and Darren Binder, who, let's not forget, we were so critical of on this show, we... Said, yeah, we literally said, said, hmm, maybe we should have a super license system here. Um, that's how questionable Darren Binder's double class jump was. This is who we have here.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, and it breaks my heart because I was really, really high on oh, yeah. Um, especially after, let's not forget, he beat Fabio in the title stakes in 2020 mm. on an older bike. But... I really fear that the just the sheer scale of knee injury that he suffered last year is.
1: I want I want him to be back to his. I want him, him to back, be as a back a to twenty twenty four.
3: I really do too. But even in testing, even the full off season, it it didn't look great, and that makes me sad because that will be a huge waste of talent if that is the case. Um, and as far as the RNF team, who let's not forget, um, the artist formerly known as Patronus SRT, who then died and was reborn uh-huh. as RNF. Um, as much as I like me some and Andrea Davizioso, he's probably coming out of his prime at this point, which is a real shame because uh, he deserved better than he got with Ducati, and he yeah. deserves better than he's getting right now. And Darren Binder. I don't need to expand on my thoughts on, on Darren Bender. I believe he's a danger to himself. If and he's others, an improvement on that,
1: it's, it's, a, it's an enormous success. I don't success. believe he should
3: be... A, it, it, the bar... The bar is so low, it defies bar, physical law.
1: Lil John thinks the bar needs to get less
3: low. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have Fabio Cuadarraro, who... Man, he's not. He's probably not going to be there after this well, year. You talk about flirting with about free us. agency. My
1: man is just out here bringing the side chick over to hang out at, with him and his girlfriend.
3: Whining and dining free agency. <laughs>
0: so you're saying he's got to third base with free agency?
3: Does he got a jag? <laughs> Does he have oh, a jag? He's... he's just flirting outrageously. with Yeah, the pretty much. Yeah, it's... uh. And this is weird to say because, again, we're very down on the team who, let's not forget, basically never had the Riders' Championship in doubt not last really. year. Lack like of changing year. Like,
0: yeah, but the thing is, by the time Banyaya got his shit together last year, it was too late. The title was already won for Fabio by that point, and that was the problem. I don't think he's going to have that luxury second time round. Um, you know, Banyaya looks demonically quick at times. Um, it's so... He's going to be under a lot of pressure right from the start, especially given we start in Qatar, which we all know is you know Ducati can win at a canter if they get the right opportunity.
3: And let's not forget they have that last corner speed. What speed are they going to set down the? (laughs) What speed are they going to get down the front straight this year? Are we thinking cracking two forty? Um. If we crack 240 miles per hour on a motorcycle, I might just have to stop uh, watching the sport because that's oh, a little yeah. much even for me. We're going to become yeah, Supercross super fans. <laughs> We're going to become hey, Supercross fans.
0: Yeah, GP, King, I know you're a fan. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I mean, look at it like this. Uh, at the end of the test, at the end of one of the days of the test, Franco Morbidelli was 21st fastest, a second a lap down on Cuauhtémaro. Brutal, Coronaro.
0: brutal. they they seem like a one bike team and that's not a healthy way or that's not a conducive way to be successful unless you're Mark Marquez and I don't think he's got that sort of advantage over the field like Mark had two years ago or three years ago I should say now really when that 2019 season happened Mm -hmm. I think this is a much much more competitive field now than what it was back then so, uh, good luck, Yamaha. Um, you're gonna have to go out of your way to convince Fabio to stay, because if he doesn't... you boy. Uh, you're gonna be in for a hard time. You got problems. Now... You, you... Now, you know what's funny here? We've only talked about 16 of the bikes in play so far, because Ducati have the other 8.
1: Volume, <laughs> volume, volume!
3: Yeah. Like, they're like Google Chrome right now on my computer, just testing Yes, they have, my RAM. Four... <laughs> just they have four. Just consuming the field.
0: Teams in MotoGP next year. We have the factory team, of course, Ducati Lenovo team. No more Mission Win now, apparently. Who would have thunk it? Um, they're gone. Uh, Lenovo.
3: Well, they they weren't yeah, winning now. You see, well,
0: uh, not win anymore. Um, so they're gone. Francesco Bagnaia and Jack Miller sticks around as the factory team. The Pramac team is still the same. yohan Zarco alongside. Uh, game, Martin. Uh, the Grassini team. Uh, you yeah, still flying in the good name. Of Fausto, who sadly is no longer with us, but their, their legacy lives on with the brand new Grassini Racing MotoGP team with Ducati. Anea um, Bastianini will front line that team in the beautiful palm of violet blue, as I do say so myself, um, in the 23, and he, he'll be alongside a, a new rookie coming up from Moto2, Fabio DG Antonio, uh, digger to his friends. Uh, so that'll be fun to keep an eye on him in the 49, and also we saw it unveiled just a couple of days ago, actually, um, with an Orchestra and classical music, and Valentino Rossi in a suit and tie, which is something I never thought I would see today happen. Um, <laughs> to unveil the Mooney VR46 racing team in a uh, delicate shade of black and yellow, uh, with number 10, Luca Marini, and another rookie, and number.
3: Valentino Rossi bike featuring yellow. Who could. I know, have it was a wild it? guess, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> I
0: literally said this the other day, mm, I think it's going to be yellow. Turns out it was. Um, Who would have guessed it? So he'll be with Luca Marini on the VR4016 alongside another rookie, number 72, Marco Bazecchi, the Moto2 uh, cl- class winner and veteran over there. Um, so, yes, a fleet, a literal fleet of Ducati riders, eight of them in total. I mean, do you look at the depth chart here, King? When Enea Bastianini is your fifth rider, I mean... <laughs> It's just, it's a ludicrous amount of talent, isn't it?
2: Mm. Yeah, he might be fistering, but he ain't holding no clipboard. i give you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. And it's, and like you said, it's a little literal depth chart where it's like everyone down to Pizzecki and Marini at VR46 are quality guys. Yeah,
0: like...
3: A floor for Ducati is higher than most ceilings yeah. for other teams. And A.O.
0: Bastianini would not exist on other factories because they don't know other factory has more than two teams. Bastianini is the fifth ranked Ducati rider and he had multiple podiums last year. Um, I mentioned it before Jorge Martin won a race as a rookie last year. He's fourth on the pile. Johan Zarco was a title contender through a good first half of last year. He's third on that pile. <laughs> Jack Miller won multiple rounds last year. He's the backup plan. Um, that's how impactful Ducati's lineup is. However, the most, the funniest part of this, of them at Sepang was the fastest man at the entire test, the man that put the fastest lap together in the end, was number 23, Enea Bastianini, on last year's bike. And uh, this is the interesting...
3: Yeah, it it's, the, it's, it's, it's the
0: interesting dynamic where it seems last year's bike might actually be a bit quicker at the moment. It's a strange concept, but this is what um, Francesco Bagnaia had to say after this said, quote, The DNA of our bike is to be, is to be very good on breaking and corner entry, and this one is already like the past one, which is very good. This was something that I was a bit scared about, changing bikes, because I was very comfortable in that area, but we're already on it. We're working more on the acceleration, because when you put the same electronics on a different engine, then then for sure you have to adjust everything. It's not an easy thing, because we've worked for two years with the old bike in that area. Because, rumor has it, they've added another 10 horsepower to that bike, apparently it's around 330 horsepower. Which Ducati's
1: development strategy? It's just like the bike's not turning well enough. Add more horsepower. <laughs> this is like if you build a car in Gran Turismo and it can't take corners and it can't break and there's no grip. Throw a stage four turbo on it, and that's how you win.
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It is. Oh, it is to put it into perspective. We're talking. I reckon around 2,000 brake horsepower per ton on one of these machines now. Something in that ballpark, depending on how much the bike weighs. It's about 160 right? kg. So you're looking at about 2,000 brake horsepower per ton. That's the sort of power we're allegedly talking about here. It's it's a missile. Essentially. Um, it's an incredibly powerful thing. But, apparently it's causing a fair amount of wheel spin and corner exit is suffered. I mean, what do, what do you make of it all, Cam? It's too...
3: Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's got the Mark Donahue issue of leaving black marks from one end <laughs> of the straight to the other. They've got too much horsepower. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of described it as, you know, the last two years they've honed this, the existing Desmo Sedici mm. very, very well. Same and en- same electronic, same engine because they've been frozen. Now with the new engine, put the same electronics on, suddenly your traction control can't cope with the (laughs) sheer amount of horsepower. It can't cope, but it can really seethe. Mm. Um. Wither, blister, burning, and peeling. But uh Yeah. Kind of an interesting problem to have having too much horsepower. But of course on a bike it all has to be in balance. It all has to work uh, amicably with one another, each aspect of the bike. And it's made it so that at least at the end of the tests the the new Ducatis are not the easiest thing to ride. In fact, across the left they are slower than the GP21s. Now when we get to the first race, given that they are going to be working 24, 24 7 365 on this issue up until the first race, Maybe they'll fix it. Maybe they won't. I think it's definitely something they need to fix because, uh, if nothing else, the biggest strength of the Ducati is put that power down and ride the missile yeah, down the straightaway.
0: Uh, that's been that's been the blame. Bro.
3: And Benya is the guy who can make it. Yeah, he can make it turn. He could. He has figured out the way that like no one else has been able to do since Casey Stoner, which is to make it turn as well as the other bikes. But if you can't put that power down, then Ducati loses a key portion of their advantage that they've had for the last couple of years. What
0: a problem to have! It's like we, we're like, you know what? I think they should do to solve it. I think they should add another ten horsepower. I think that might do the trick. Uh, yeah, I think I think another, but, uh, I think another uh, yeah, twenty might do it. Just make absolutely sure there's enough power. To... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's gonna hit two hundred and thirty-five. That the main straining cats are, and hope for the best. I mean, look. This is Ducati. They've always had a power problem um, and how to best channel their ridiculously powerful bikes. I have got all the confidence they'll figure it out. I'm also curious to see what they do with Jack Miller because I have a hunch. I I, I have a hunch that I know Miller was fourth in the championship last year and I know he won a couple of rounds but I look at Jorge Martín and the '89, and I go, "Hmm, I think mm. you're the future." I, I like, I got it directly on Twitter from the races' head journalist, Mr. Once, Mr. Van Man, Simon Patterson, who. I joked that if Quadraro hits free agency, Ducati will spend an eight-figure sum to bring Fabio in because that's what Ducati does. They bring in the big-name free agents. They do this every time and they try and swing for the big name. He said to me, and I quote, Ducati are not looking. They're happy with what they've got. Who here believes him? Because I'm not so sure.
3: (laughs) Because, uh... Oh, no... Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I okay. I, I'm gonna take a different angle on this. I think they're happy with what they've got. I just don't think it's gonna be in the same order after this year if Jack Miller doesn't have a big, big Junior. year. But th- this has been the thing with Jack Miller is that Jack Miller has plenty of lap time. is great in wet weather. is pretty solid in a bike to bike battle. But he can't manage his tires worth What is the floor for games.
1: Jack Miller to keep his, his right Ducati this after this season?
3: What's the Probably worst three realistic? yeah yeah top three A top yeah three he four. needs to
2: either fit match what he did last year or do better.
3: He can't fall off. He falls off. I think he's got to be better. Mm. I think he's got to be better because in the second half of last year, Peko Banyaya smoked him, charred him, broiled him, and basted him.
0: Yeah, I think probably top three, top four with a couple of wins that are pro- and I'd say definitive wins. I don't want to take anything away from Jaref and Le- and Lamont, which he did win last year, but one was a flag-to-flag race that Mark Marquez was blatantly faster than him in, and Marquez crashed twice. The other one was the most freakish case of Fabio catching arm pump in the middle of a race that you will ever see to the point where it crippled him completely. Um, It's hard not to get around the fact that Miller kind of had freaky circumstances behind both the wins he had last year. And I still remember that BT Sport in the UK interviewed him at the end of last season. He was he was very happy and jovial at the end. i said, oh, Merry Christmas to all the Brits back home. But he was also saying he seemed a bit meh about his season. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple of wins is nice, you know. Five podiums is all right. I think he knew in the back of his head that the oncoming storm as his teammate behind him um, was a problem given that Banyai won four out of the final six after going winless in his career until that point. Um, And like I said, I think Martin.
3: It's a similar problem to what KTM Mm. have on the opposite end of the grid. It's that they've got two, they've got a good good Mm. problem with too many riders. And if one of your top tier riders doesn't perform overwhelmingly good, you have someone to slot them in in their place. And that's the problem now that we're talking about with Jack Miller. Ducati has a war chest of riders yeah, to plug into that yeah, seat. If I, they
0: I, apparently, it. Martin's at the front of the queue if they don't go for Quattararo. Martin's at the front of the queue, and apparently, Bastianini is in contention as well. They are apparently very high on Ineo Bastianini, even though he's on the Grassini team and on last year's bike. It's a nice fail-safe to have, basically, given he'll be on only one-year-old machinery now. So keep half an eye on Ducati and the politics in that camp, because allegedly it's going to be a big case of pseudo man management to see what happens with their lineup going forward if they don't make a swing for a big name free agency prize, i don't believe van man i just don't i'm sorry they always go for the big name i uh, prove me wrong luigi delinia prove me wrong um, on this one so we'll have to wait and see how we go on that one quick couple of notes regarding Mono 2 and 3 as well before we get out of here. Um, There was one big overriding name that came from the other tests, including Portimao. And his name was Pedro Acosta.
2: (laughs) We found another
1: sit-star recruit. We found found another 80-80 prospect.
3: Hide the gold. Hide the families. Under (laughs) the lap record. It took him t- two days, two days to adapt to a Moto Two bike. Crush yeah, the, the lap record. On the lap
1: record, It's
3: his. It's his first oh, year on
1: the level. I keep your expectations in check, or or do we have to keep his expectations
3: expectations check? <laughs> it's the same. R.J. It's his second day on it's, the level. It's his
0: second. It, it, it was his second weekend with the team and this was a team that crushed everyone in moto 2 last year they won the constructors title in september last year aragon they won the team's title they had a 170 point lead going into that race no one else was in their postcode um it's oh it he's already on with the best team in moto 2 Augusto Fernandez is a good teammate. I'm not sure how if he's going to be a great teammate. If Acosta is anything as good as Build, the entire grid is going to be on notice. And let's not forget, he's still got three more years under KTM contract. Um, I wonder if there's a modem GP clause in that. Just throwing that out there, you know, just just in case. <laughs> Higher
3: than 0% chance.
0: Like I said, if that comes to pass, which of the four KTM riders do you drop for his presence? Because uh, that's going to be a
3: problem. If he's this good, any of them. <laughs> if he's this good, any of them. Like, it's terrible. Let me go on,
0: the good luck. You might be one and done. Um, <laughs> best of luck, buddy. Raul well, um, Fernandez, oh uh,
3: you can go
1: to Yamaha. It's fine. Um, yeah. Who are some other people we should watch? Because I mean it surely can't all be the Pedro Casa show, can it?
0: No, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. He's like as mentioned, his teammate Augusto Fernandez is a very good Moto 2 rider. He's maybe a little bit on the older side now if we're talking about proper top tier status as a prospect, but Fernandez the other Fernandez, as I like to nickname him now, he can win races. He's been a title contender in the past, not just for this team, but with Mark VDS as well. I'd certainly keep an eye on him as an all round safe pick if you want to go for that um
3: another one
0: uh, look what's, what's that cam
3: mm. i've got another one as well um ayagura who was pretty solid but not overwhelmingly you know spectacular in moto 3 also well up on the timesheets and if rumors are to be believed if uh Taka Nakagami, who had a. Uh, say a subpar year mm. last year in MotoGP. Things don't pick up for him. I'd say Ayagura would be very much a contender for that 30 bike in the top class. Um, Just solid across yeah, the board. He was every right day up the there
0: pretty much every day yeah if he's if, if, if he's able to keep the testing form over he'll be winning races next year i'm almost certain of that he was pretty much top two or three all the way oh, through yeah. the test he's definitely taken a step forward this year as well i'd also chuck aaron Cannett in there as well he's going to be of the ponds team this year yeah mr, Remember that mr. walking tattoo aaron Cannett. um he's, he's going to be in there as well he's going to be of the ponds team keep an eye on him um pons are, is is so good at developing young riders and uh, you know a year with pons could do him a lot of good um i him and jorge navarro very strong team on paper um i would certainly keep an eye on those two as well shout out to cam Bobier as well i've got to get the american sh- uh, love in there as well because i think cam's a, a good y'all. talent i think i think he could easily take a step up as well um I, uh, Cam Gang. Cam <laughs> they, Gang. They the Cam Gang ring high on that one. Uh, Moto3 as well. A quick shout out to them as well. Um, no surprise the, the favorite is going to be going into that season. Dennis Foggia is still in Moto3 with the Leopard team. He was fastest in yeah. testing. He catwalks. His favorite going into this season. Um, there's some decent names around him. We've always, got Suzuki Suzuki now as a teammate. He's a solid rider um, representing Japan. Um, Aspar are very strong. Eisen Guevara and Sergio Garcia. Um, that's going to be a very, very powerful team at Aspar as so well. I think those are probably going to be your big three of the four, I would say, are going to be them. Oh, and we had to get a shout-out. Anna Carrasco's back in Moto3. And that's nice. We like Anna Carrasco. Yeah. So good for her to come back as well in Moto3 um, after, pff, God, a year and a half of horrible back surgery recovery that she had to go through. Um, so good for Anna Carrasco to see her back as well. Just before we get out of here, I'm going to throw a few questions to the chat. I'm going to say, over or under... There we go. Six and a half winners.
2: Um, I'm hitting the over. Ooh. Well, season, longest season ever. Yeah, longest season ever, so there's a chance that, yeah, I'm going to agree with RJ that I'm leaning towards over. Over? Over? Okay. Right, so, same here. I'm going to say
0: under. I think it's oh. going to be a bit more closed in. Um, under? We, we might. It depends how many... F-
3: Okay. Um, well, the contrarian. Yeah, I'm very hipster on
0: this one. Um, okay. Um, should we get a rookie of the year? vote? You've got DG Antonio. You've got Bez. You've got Darren Binder. And you've got the two KTMs of Raul Fernandez and Remy Gardner. <laughs> Who do you reckon? Uh, Bezzecki. It's, it's a solid shout. I like Bez. I've always liked Bez. Good rider.
2: Safe pair of hands. I'm holding out hopes. I'm holding out... Mm. I think I think maybe Remy Gardner has a chance. Mm, okay. What do you reckon, Cam?
3: I'm going to roll with King on this one. I think I'm going to say Remy Gardner. I'm
0: going to say Fabio DG Antonio. Whoa. I think there's going to be a minor surprise here. I like the Grassini team, and I think Fabio, given he's a big man... I think you'll be a better fit on the bigger machinery. Uh, that's my punt. I think Fernandez is a bit too rough around the edges for me. I think he's going to bin it one too many times early doors. We'll have to wait and see. But it would not surprise me at all if Fernandez ends up being Ricky of the Year um, on that one. Finally, your 2022 MotoGP World Champion will be. Hey.
1: Mark is healthy. This Do I have to be the, the first one. Mark should be healthy. This should be the easiest pick in the world, and yes. <laughs> well, well, King, King, who
2: who are you thinking? I'm picking Marquez.
3: Instead of a plum, the most boring part of our podcast every single year, whether we are right <laughs> or whether we are wrong. Mark Marquez. Um,
1: I want to believe that... I know it's recency bias, but Francesco Bagnia looks so good at the end of last season. But it's it's a Honda that looks like it's actually had work on it. <laughs> Mark, again. I... I, I... <laughs> It's mark it, it's gotta be it just has to be
0: you know it's funny I looked at the betting market for this the other day like Francesco Banyaya is a very slight favorite he's like around six to four and like Marquez is right behind him at like seven or four and I'm just like I'm in the same camp as RJ I think on paper Bannyaya has got the least amount of question marks but I can't pick against Mark Marquez. You, you just can't do it. He's just too good. You know that if the Honda is fast...
3: I mean, it goes back to the same thing. As always, there is one force on this earth who can beat Mark Marquez on even ground. It's himself. It's himself. And that's Mark Marquez.
0: He's got to it... stay healthy.
3: If the the Honda is a much safer bike this year... And the biggest reason why, because mm. I, I really thought about it. Oh, I love Because I like me some Pecco. I was high on Peko when there was big doubts with him mm. end of 2020. I just have question marks over what Ducati's done with this year's bike. I have big question marks on whether they can solve the the kind of the corner they painted themselves into
0: i can't pick against mark he's just too good he's just too much of a gun. i've said said people i've said people who's asked me about this i've said all things being equal if marquez is healthy and he doesn't bin it and has an injury he should win it because the rest of the field is so close that we'll probably end up yeah you should end up beating each other up but I like Banyaya. There is something about this kid where I just think he's a monster when it comes to outright speed. Um, and this is saying something, given we've been in a world that's had Maverick and Mark and Fabio, who are all just incredibly brilliant qualifiers in their own right. This dude is, this dude's a bit special. Different gravy um, on that one. So I totally get the bookies have gone with a safe money on Banyaya, but can't be against 93 i can't do it I, I, like like the the bowels of honda would swallow me whole i would be i would be a ball of fire on this seat i'd spontaneously combust um on that one um but yeah moto gp 2022 starts this sunday at qatar on march 6th um pff- goodness only knows what we're about to witness because yeah, this is a highly anticipated season I love MotoGP it's my favourite series in the world and uh, I I think if it's if Marquez has any gap of vulnerability it's going to be fascinating to see who can take advantage and who doesn't That'll just about do it on this episode of Motorsport 101. Places you could find us are on Facebook and YouTube forward slash Motorsport 101, or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Uh, we're on Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. I use names are on the screen at Harrison 101 HD, uh, at Ryan Eric King, at uh, RJ O'Connell, and at Seabuck 917 for us on Twitter. And our website of all the details and written blogs, all of that good stuff. Everything we do is on the website at Motorsport101.com. Check us out on there if you haven't already. We'll be back next week to talk the big one. In many people's eyes, the big one. Some crummy series on four wheels. Apparently it's called Formula One. We're gonna try and preview that shit. Um, so you know. <laughs> good luck to that, everybody, is what I say. Uh, good good luck guessing that one. Apparently there's some new cars and some funky wings. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, right? You know. We got colours, we got colours too. We've got a colourful grin. That's always a plus, right? Yay. Anyway, until then, <laughs> I've been Dre Harrison, David Ryan, Eric King, RJ I and Cam Buckley. See you next week. The bikes are back. Sayonara.
1: Later, y'all. Bye.
3: The fever. And the only prescription. We need more bikes. More bikes. <laughs>